Ladies and gentlemen, good day from London and welcome to the FNA talk, a technology update with FNAers and friends. My name is Adam Chabai and it is my pleasure to guide you through this series. At FNA Talks, we are drawing on the expertise and experience of key fintech, regtech, and subtech authorities to discuss the trends and developments defining the technology and the innovation landscapes. In today's episode, we will focus on what is most certainly one of the most prominent fintech teams of 2020, and we are going to talk about digital currencies and their impact and implications. I'm very pleased to say that we are joined by a seasoned technology expert who is extremely well equipped to discuss digital currencies from the perspective of both the regulators and the regulated. Daniel Heller, Head of Regulatory Affairs at Finality International and former Head of Financial Stability at the Swiss National Bank. Daniel, welcome and thank you for joining us at the FNA Talk. Thank you, Adam. It's great to be here I, and I look forward to our conversation today. Thank you, Daniel. And likewise, uh, let us start by focusing on an issue that uh, may seem straightforward, but at its core can be quite tricky, and that is the taxonomy of uh, digital currencies. When reading the news, uh, we come across a variety of terms, including uh, stable coins, uh, crypto assets, uh, central bank digital currencies, and so on. Uh, Daniel, would you be able to guide us uh, through these concepts and explain how to distinguish uh, between the various types of digital currencies? Yeah, sure. Let me try. I think you, you're correct that it's uh, quite a, a tricky uh, field. Uh, I like to to view this quite broadly in the sense of, you know, what is digital money, right? And then uh, we use a few categories of who the issuer is. So the, I would say the, the most important form of digital money today is uh, central bank reserves that are held by uh, banks and financial market infrastructures. As we know, the central bank also issues banknotes, but uh, that's not digital money. Then in the private sector, I mean, most money is issued by the private sector, not by the central bank. And uh, traditionally, I would say for, for centuries, uh, bank-issued money has been uh, around. So our checking accounts, our savings accounts are today in digital form and this money is issued by the private sector and interestingly you know we have this uh, what we call uh, convertibility at par so one euro in a bank account can be converted into uh, one unit of central bank money and this is always the case because the law requires this and we have there are different types of laws around it but then outside of the banking sector, we have uh, other issues of money, like for instance, uh, non-bank uh, payment system providers like PayPal, 
like I can have an account at PayPal and that's not a bank. And I think now we get into uh, the area that you were allu alluding to, uh, that now we have seen that technology can lead to the emergence of new private sector money. And one of them is, is obviously uh, stable coins, which is in terms of uh, the functionality reasonably similar to commercial bank money, right? There is an issuer that says, you know, I convert uh, one stable coin into whatever underlying asset. Often it's, uh, it's a sovereign currency. Uh, it doesn't have to be a sovereign currency. It can be another cryptocurrency and so on. But, but it's pretty similar to what we already have. And then where I think it's really new, it's uh, what is often referred to as native tokens, right? Uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin, where we don't really have a legal entity that issues the token. It's a, a small contract that issues uh, the money. And uh, so that's really novel. Let me uh, conclude with maybe one observation like uh, payment cards, credit cards, debit cards, checks are not money, right? These are payment instruments that help you access digital money. Like the credit card helps me access my checking account, but without the checking account, the, the credit card is, is worthless. So, but I think it's, it's important that we, we always use clear definition when we discuss uh, digital currencies. Uh, many thanks for these uh, extremely useful insights, Daniel. Uh, in your remarks, uh, you have clearly highlighted that the digital currencies are being issued by a variety of entities, uh, many of which uh, we would most certainly not describe as uh, traditional uh, financial services providers. Uh, could you please elaborate uh, in a bit more detail on how do central banks and financial regulators respond to the emergence of these uh, new non-bank providers of money? I think that uh, at the beginning, you know, it was, was kind of challenging for, uh, for central banks and regulators to respond to these developments like Bitcoin and so because it's really new, but I think as time went on, they are uh, moving, and I think rightly so, towards uh, what I call functional regulation, right? That they say, uh, same business, same risk, same rules. So they look at these uh, financial instruments and say, you know, which, which rules are out there that we should apply? You know, is it is the way it's set up, is it similar to a bank deposit? Is it similar to an investment scheme? Uh, and obviously, I think we have a very good regulatory framework that keeps the risks of financial instruments under control. Like one of them is, for instance, investor protection, right? So if you want to issue a digital currency, then you, you have to make sure that it's a sound business. These are not rogue entities that do it. You need disclosure. Uh, clearly, you have to uh, be compliant with AML, CFT regulation. And uh, lastly, if you're big, of course, then 
you have to uh, uh, address uh, financial stability risks. So uh, I think what we will be seeing much more going forward is that traditional legislation will be or regulation will be applied to to uh, new non-bank providers of money. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, an area where the impact of digital currencies uh, uh, will be, uh, and I think to some extent uh, already is uh, particularly visible, is the payment and settlement systems and infrastructures. Uh, Daniel, which change, changes and developments uh, would you highlight for us uh, in this regard? I think in this area, it's, it's useful to distinguish between wholesale markets and retail markets. So, so let me start with uh, the wholesale market, which is the, the market between, uh, between financial institutions, like it's uh, large financial transactions, it's uh, bond markets, securities markets, FX markets. So what we, I think what we can safely say is that the current uh, technology that we have is obviously working right it's pretty it has been uh, working through the great the financial crisis it's resilient but it is pretty costly and it's also pretty slow and uh, here we see that uh, distributed ledger technology has the potential to provide several benefits like one of them is increased resilience uh, speed is faster we can settle transactions in real time cross-border and it's also probably cheaper so i think there we will see uh, a lot of innovation uh, that basically existing instruments like bonds securities and so on will be tokenized as what a bis calls wholesale digital tokens and uh, it, they can be moved very quickly and obviously if you have tokenized securities and so on you also need to have a tokenized payment rail and that's something where we at finality are working on to provide uh, a very low risk uh, global payment system for uh, fx transactions one-way payments and ultimately also uh, settlement of of securities transactions. Now let me move to the to the retail space. That's kind of the transactions you and I, Adam, would be using. Right? These are uh, low-value transactions. There again, we can say we have the system works. Right? We can make payments within a country, cross-country. But in a way, it's the same as in the wholesale space. This is it's pretty costly it's slow and uh, and so there is potential to improve that and there i could see that technology also will be helpful it doesn't have to be a blockchain or distributed ledger technology we will see what will be uh, the best way to deploy it but i do think a move towards more you know peer-to-peer -peer transactions that we don't need uh, a big intermediary to, to make low value payments is, is a promising field. 
thank you very much, Daniel. Uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, digital currencies have the potential to make the payments and settlement systems more efficient and more effective, uh, and can also bring uh, relatively significant benefits in the area of uh, financial inclusion or uh, access to financial services in general. Uh, but I'm confident that the, that the question that uh, many of our listeners are interested in, in particular, is how to ensure that these uh, potential benefits of digital currencies are not outweighed uh, by their risks. Uh, what are your views in this regard? Yes, good question, Adam. I mean, you know, sometimes when I read uh, these uh, documents, you know, on, on the risks of stable coins and digital assets, I'm a little bit struck that the presumption is that these will bring uncontrollable risks to the system. Actually, the, the risks are already there in the current system. Like it's not that uh, a stable coin will introduce something fundamentally new. I mean, we have had bank runs, you know, there have always been possibilities to, to, uh, to take the money out of a bank and uh, move it into banknotes. So with stable coin, we, we have similar risks. And what, what is really key is that regulators make sure these schemes are adequately safe. By this, I mean that uh, without doubt, AML and uh, CFT provisions need to be met. It's clear that there needs to be some form of investor protection. Uh, if uh, a digital currency is really big, that it has potential financial stability implications, uh, you need more provisions on how you manage the reserve assets. So I think it's really up to the regulators to make sure these risks are under control. And just, and they have the tool. I mean, they, they know how to do it. They just have to apply them in a, in a reasonable way. Thank you very much, Daniel, for your uh, very useful and very interesting response and insights. Many thanks to you, ladies and gentlemen, for your attention today. And stay tuned for the second part of this uh, FNA Talk episode, when Daniel and I will be discussing the impact of digital currencies on the use of cash, financial stability, and monetary policy. In the meantime, have a good day, stay safe, and goodbye.